Hello and welcome to Once Upon a Terror. I'm your host, Adelina Hill, and I apologize for this episode coming out late today. I've been traveling and doing stuff and helping my boyfriend get ready for uh, going to work. Uh, he's he's in the Navy, so he's constantly moving around. And he's traveling today, and I was traveling both in different directions, both to different places, but uh, everything is finally where it should be, and here I am recording this episode, absolutely exhausted, but very happy. So, let's get into it. Today's author, we have David Jack Fletcher. He is an Australian horror writer, and he is the author of Raven's Creek. I, uh, you can find this book on Kindle Unlimited, or you can purchase it on Amazon, um, I'm going to include a link to that in the show notes, but again, that is called Raven's Creek. It's a very, very creepy horror mo- horror book. I almost called it a movie. As you can tell, I'm very tired, but let's get into the interview, and I'm going to shut my trap. All right, once upon a time. I'm David Jack Fletcher. I'm obviously an Australian, if you can't tell by my accent. Um, I live with my husband and our two little dogs. Uh, I'm, uh, I, I do horror, but I also tend to sort of dabble in comedy with my writing. Um, and it's something that I'm going to be pursuing a little bit more in terms of, um, in terms of doing horror comedy. So I don't actually really have an answer for what encouraged me to become an author. Um, It's something that I think a lot of authors will say is just inside you. Uh, I think if you, if you went back and asked any of my old school friends um, or even any of my siblings, they will probably say that I was always talking about being an author. I always had different ideas for stories um, I actually used to sit on the phone doing a little three-way conversation in the 1990s um, over the phone with um, some of my friends reading to them the stories that I'd, that I'd written. Um, and I used to put them in the stories so they were always like really invested in the outcome. But other than that, um, I mean, that early encouragement really excited me, you know, and I, and I got the, I guess I got the bug thinking about um, you know, the fact that I can do this. Uh, I think <clears throat> life does get in the way though. Uh, and so the last two years or so I've really gotten back into it, um, and started releasing things and really focusing on my writing. So I'm super excited, um, about where the journey has sort of led me so far. Um, and I'm also really excited to see where I end up because, you know, these things are often really unknown. My inspiration, 
uh, I, I don't know. This is one of those things, like, sometimes I will, I will literally wake up in the middle of the night with a fully formed idea and, um, you know, and then I can just write it the next day. Other times I have sort of like a snippet of an idea and it sort of like transforms and, and morphs a little bit as I write. Um, I think the, I did get inspiration in a really funny way for a book that I'm going to be working on, um, quite soon. Uh, it's called Wires in the Gut. And what happened was we, my husband and I were doing, um, some things around the house and we, we needed an electrician. So this electrician fell through our ceiling um, and <laughs> there was a, a giant hole in, um, in the ceiling above the kitchen, um, the kitchen island. And as soon as I saw this giant hole in the roof, I thought, ah, oh, perfect. Like how perfect is that? And I started telling my husband about, you know, like what happens if there's actually something living up there that no one knows about. Um, it's been there for hundreds of years, just sort of like waiting to, to, to make its, um, to make its move. And this family like unknowingly sort of unleashes this, um, this entity in their house because of this hole and they start speaking in tongues and whatever. And I've given so much of it away, but that book is probably about a year or two off anyway. So it's not a big deal. Um, but yeah, so inspiration can sort of just strike anywhere. Um, I remember another time I was just, we were having a drive in the country. Um, and I started talking about, you know, how easy it would be to be like a black market, um, sex trader or something out in those areas, because there is a bit of a lack of, um, police activity where we are. So, um, and no, I'm not going to be in, uh, you know, doing that, but it is the basis for a story, um, in my upcoming collection. But Raven's Creek, uh, is the latest book. So this one started as a short story. Um, there was a, a call out for shorts about 6,000 words maximum on survival horror. And I can't remember where the call out came from, but I thought I'm going to do this. Um, I really, really want to do this. And so I started thinking about, um, you know, what, what, what's the real scary thing in a creature feature? Is it actually the creature? Um, or is it the people, you know, behind the creature? Um, and sometimes it is just the creature, right? Um, you know, it turned like Jeepers Creepers and, and things like that. It really is the creature. But then there are a, a lot of ones where it's sort of either psychological or, um, you know, we can point it back to a specific person. And then, um, so this one, I really wanted to do this couple, um, and they just had to basically survive the night, <clears throat> but how they were going to do that, I, I didn't quite know. And as I started writing the story and thinking about the different themes that I was going for, um, you know, to sort of make it relatable to people and to make it intriguing for people. Um, the more I sort of realized that I wanted to take this book on very different levels. So it starts off, you know, sort of intense. You think the story's going in a particular way. And then on the next page or the next chapter, it's like, wait a minute, what the fuck's happening now? Um, and, you know, do that a few times to sort of not give the reader much of a chance to breathe. 
Um, and I think that that, that tension, um, that ongoing building tension and that sense of um, the sense of like impending doom uh, is what I was really going for for that book. So it is, uh, it is gay. I want to say queer, um, but queer is obviously like that, um, that spectrum that encompasses everything. And as a gay man myself, I tend to focus more on the G in the LGBT, um, Q plus, um, spectrum. So yeah, it is queer, but it's, it's mostly predominantly gay. Um, and I, I love to focus on or, or get gay characters out there a little bit more, um, that aren't the stereotypical ones like Jack from Will and Grace. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with Jack from Will and Grace. It's just that I do find a lot of the depictions of gay people do tend to be mimicking, um, mimicking that, you know, Jack 2000 sort of idea. So I want to get, um, away from that. And I really want to explore with my writing, um, you know, different forms or different types of being gay, because there is no real stereotype, right? Like we are people, we're all different. Um, and you know, gay men just happen to like other men, but that doesn't mean that we follow a formula, um, in terms of who we are or or how we're identifying. And so I really want to get that through in my writing. So one of the characters has a military background. Um, another character, he just works in it, you know, um, there's nothing stereotypical about either of those things. Um, and one thing that I like in my own personal life is that bear culture, like the gay bear culture, um, you know, so it's, you know, thick men, facial hair, hairy chest. I love it. So, um, I tend to do some of my characters around that and how those people might react in, um, in these really extreme situations. Um, yeah. So if you want to read the book, you'll get monsters, you will get, um, you know, crazy genetic experiments, you'll get the mad scientist trope, you'll get a bunch of things, but most of them will be turned on their head. So um, yeah, I'm really keen to see how people respond to this, um, to this book. So at the moment, I'm working on, uh, I've just finished the first draft of my next book, which is called The Count. Um, And it's sort of a twist on typical um, vampirism with more of a focus on bloodlust. Um, and it's the book itself. I didn't realize this when I was writing it until towards the end that it's really about grief and loss and the human willingness to sort of put, put our faith or, or, or put our, um, hopes or fate in the hands of, of this bigger power that we don't actually understand. Um, you know, and, and kind of the consequences of that. So, um, that one is kind of hitting the, the body horror, um, gore sort of roots, but there's also that existential crisis weaving throughout it. Um, I'm really excited about it and that should be releasing probably in the first half of 2024. Um, I just want to redraft it a couple of times and obviously do the editing thing, um, before I, before I release that. And, Something I'm brainstorming with at the moment, though, apart from that why is in the gut thing I mentioned earlier, is my short story collection, um, because I, I have a few things published, um, you know, across different anthologies and whatnot, and I'd really like to compile those together um, and release them, you know, as a collection. Um, I think the idea of author collections are 
is sort of becoming a bit of a trend. I've seen a lot of well-known authors um, doing that and they seem to be really popular. So I thought I'll give it a go um, and then also give some original content with mine as well. Um, just to kind of also showcase to people that it's not all, you know, if you read my stuff, it's not all going to be the same, that there is a bit of a, um, there is a bit of a, a variation from story to story and, um, you know, the different tropes that I tend to lean on, um, can be expressed in several different ways. So yeah, that's pretty much all from me. Um, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, I haven't joined threads yet. I'm not really sure what, what that whole thing is about. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, so anyone can feel free to get in touch with me at any time. I love to connect with other authors. I love to connect with readers. I'm always looking for, um, for ARC readers through slash, slash horror press. Um, so yeah, any, anytime just get in touch. I'm more than happy to say hello. Chapter one of Raven's Creek by David Jack Fletcher. The screech shocked her awake, electric, mechanical. An intense white light seared against her eyelids. Rose shifted her head to the side, tried to hide from the light. It was everywhere. She tried to lift a hand, tried to touch her face. Couldn't. Leather cuffs were strapped to her wrists, ankles too. She tried to blank the light away, hoped she could adjust. Struggled with the cuffs, fists balled in fear. Think, where are you? How did you get here? She remembered running, a long, dark corridor, terrible screams, the dull slaps of bare feet against concrete. She remembered fear and the shooting pains in her abdomen. Something had been alive inside her, wriggling and moving. She strained her head to look down at her belly. She didn't remember what the pain was from or how she ended up strapped to the gurney. She realized that she was naked, exposed, and chained like an animal at a slaughterhouse. Help me, she groaned. Somebody help me, the screech again, high-pitched, metallic. The veins in her neck pulsed fast. Rose twisted her neck to face the sound, a circular saw held by a shadow lingering in the light beyond her belly. The silhouetted figure amid the brightness squeezed the tool in both hands. Memories flooded to her brain, a tsunami of unthinkable events leading her here. They couldn't be real. It was a nightmare. Nobody could do these things. Not in real life. Not to a pregnant woman. And she remembered the baby, tucked safely in her womb, unaware of the terrors awaiting outside. The memories. They were just fragments of a bad dream, that's all. Except they persisted as flashes across her eyelids. Nothing compared to what was happening now. She screamed and fought at her restraints, the leather cuffs digging at the skin on her wrists. Her muscles burned as her skin broke open. She pulled harder. No way out. No way out. The figure emerged into view. She made out a surgical mask, an apron drenched in blood. Some looked dry, clumps of dark red stuck to the plastic apron. Some was fresh and dripping. It stunk like death. The air devoid of oxygen. Rich was iron and tear. Opaque gloves shone under the light and rose blinked hard still adjusting to the brightness. Help! Rose begged again, louder this time. Her lungs heaved inside her. Squeezing the trigger again, the figure dropped the circular saw to his side. The other hand lifted to where lips were hidden under the mask. Hush. The voice was deep, 
impatient whisper. A man. His fingers, slick with blood and sweat, stroked her hair until she stopped moving. What is this? Rosa's voice echoed through a wide and empty room. A table sat next to her, adorned with surgical equipment, a scalpel, some needles, forceps, glass bottles of gray liquid. Please don't make me tighten those. The man's voice remained flat as he watched her squirm beneath the restraints. Extending a finger to her belly, he traced circles around her naked torso, raising the circular saw with the other hand. He pressed his palm against Rose's belly, cupped the firm roundness. His eyes lit up as the baby pushed against the womb. A small bump pushed Rose's stomach. A kicker. We might have a little athlete on our hands. Please, Rose begged, choking on her fear. Please let us go. The surgeon laughed behind his mask and reached for a scalpel. This might sting a little. And the blade sunk into her skin, searing pain stabbed through her belly as the surgeon sliced her lower abdomen from right to left. Having studied birthing rituals as a surrogate, Rose knew what was happening. She knew every step the surgeon was taking for the C-section. She felt the surgeon's blade slicing through fascia, layers of muscle separating the peridial peritoneum from the abdominal cavity. Ah, the surgeon whistled through her pain. Here we are. Rose left her body a split second before the surgeon found her uterus and got to work. The pain pulsating through her vanished and Rose felt like a ghost, watching the surgeon from above as he sliced meticulously through the three layers of the uterus. She couldn't tell if the amniotic sac was visible or not. Her mind was sucked back into her body when she felt hands inside her, the surgeon's fingers prodding and pulling, until his eyes lit up once again. The glint. The excitement. The last thing she saw was the surgeon raising her baby from the womb the thin string of the umbilical cord pumping what was left of her fluids into the baby. Her baby, covered in gunk and blood and bits of her flesh. Oh yes, definitely an athlete. Rose closed her eyes, the exhaustion and pain too much to bear. The surgeon slapped her hard across the face and leaned in close. The stench of cigarettes and booze wafted across her. Don't rest yet, darling. I'm not done with you yet. Her vision was blurred through tears, but the soggy image of her baby being taken across the room was clear enough. Someone else was there. Please, Rose managed through the words. The word was less than a mumble. The surgeon laughed behind his mask, a high-pitched cackle behind wide eyes, a manic, a maniac in his personal toy store. He put the scalpel away and came back with a machine. The circular saw. He pressed the trigger and held it to her empty belly. Rose wrestled and squirmed, tried with all her might to move away from the gnashing blade, its jagged teeth spinning towards her. Through her exhaustion, she couldn't move much. The adrenaline coursing through her gave an impossible second wind. He adopted a firm stance and leaned into the weapon, its frame pressed against his apron, dripping with blood. The sharp smell of the blades, metal and blood, filled her nostrils. She screamed again, begged for freedom. Please! She was drowned by the buzzing saw. I won't say anything to anyone. Let me and my baby go. The menacing claws of the machine ripped at her flesh. The grind of metal against tissue vibrated through her already destroyed abdomen and muscle flailed across the room. Discarded. Garbage. The blade dug through her, ripping at muscle and tissue, wrapping around the greedy claws like thick weeds in a lawnmower. The doctor was entering her from her left side, 
the menacing tool reaching under the uterus. The blinding pain stole the screams from her mouth, and Rose felt herself move out of her body once more. The surgeon lifted the saw every few seconds to pick tendrils off the blade, giving Rose a moment to reprieve before firing up the machine again. Those moments were the worst, the ones between the agony, when she knew more was coming and could do nothing about it. Still, as her body was gutted and the saw reached deeper and deeper, she fought against her restraints, thrashing in vain. Bile spilled out of her as the man tore into her stomach and intestines. He was having fun with her, delighting in her agony. And that was when she knew for sure that she'd never see her baby. Want to hear more? Head over to the show notes to get a link to Raven's Creek and David's social medias. Thank you for listening. Please make sure to follow the podcast on Spotify. Give it a rating. It'll help boost it and or wherever you listen to the podcast. Um, thank you. And I will see you next week.